come on guys. You're just glad it's not you right now. Like that's all I can think about. It's so easy to laugh at somebody else's conflict, but when you're the one standing there going, ah, like it's so difficult. Conflict is inevitable. And today we're going to talk about conflict. Now, I want you to know it doesn't matter what relationship you're in. Now, you may be a teenager and you're thinking, man, this series, I'm not married. Like this, this is not about marriage. No matter what relationship you're in, if two people are breathing the same air, conflict is inevitable. And let's be honest, relationships are important. We talk a lot about the fact that life change happens in the context of meaningful relationships. But the reality is those relationships can be very difficult sometimes. And maybe you would say today, I've got some relationships that they could use a little work. And maybe you would say, I've, I've got some relationships in my life, if you're honest, that you would go as far as to say, I've got some relationships that are like mission critical. Like some of us, we need some tweaks. Some of us, like, we need some work. And we need to figure out how to have healthy relationships. Now, the reality is uh, perfection is not the goal. That's not the goal at all. We always say this is a place where no one's perfect. Everyone is accepted and is being transformed by the power of God. And your homes are no different. I, I, I don't think any of us can expect a perfect relationship. In fact, this whole idea of every fairy tale ends with, and they live happily ever after, right? And then it ends, and we just think, well, it's going to be perfect. But the, but the reality is, I want to see Cinderella part two when she's in the kitchen throwing dishes around at Phil, you know what I mean? Like, that, that's, that's kind of our reality. I remember that uh, when Marianne and I got married over 22 years ago, that first year was often difficult. And we were learning how to do life together. And, and my dad calls me one day and says, son, how's it going? And this first year, I said to my dad, I don't think we're going to make it. And he was like, okay, what, what in the world? Tell me about it. What's, what's going on? And I said, well, we argue like a lot. And he said, and? And I said, well, I didn't think we were supposed to argue as husband and wife. And he said, why on earth would you think that? And I said, well, because you and mom never argue. And he said, well, what gives you that inclination? And I said, I've never heard you argue. Now, pause for a second. I'm 45 years old and I've never heard my parents disagree about anything. I, I know, right? You're thinking, what? Like, literally, I grew up in a home and I never heard my parents argue. Never heard my parents scream at one another. I've, I've, I've never heard my parents get loud with one another. I, I don't know that I ever remember a disagreement in our home. And so I said to my dad, you and mom don't argue. And he said, why would you say that? I, I, I've never seen you argue. And he said, because son, we, we made a decision a long time ago that we wouldn't air our stuff in front of our kids. We would handle our business privately. And I'm like, well, thanks a lot, dad, because now I have a very unhealthy view of marriage. Like, I just assume that's the way it was, and I have no skills to deal with conflict. Thanks a lot, right? And, and so Mary and I decided we, we, we want to show our kids how to argue. No, no I'm kidding. But, 
But we do want to show our kids how to deal with conflict in a healthy way. And that's the goal. The goal is not perfection. The goal is to have a healthy relationship. And healthy relationships aren't built in a day. Healthy relationships are built every day. And maybe you're in a situation where you would say, we need some work here. I love the book Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott. And she says this in the book. She says, we've got to ask ourselves this question. How did I get here? How is it that I find myself in a company, in a role, in a relationship or a life where I'm absent in my spirit? How did I lose my way? And maybe you would say that in a relationship that you have in your life. I don't know how we got here. It wasn't like this a year ago. But yet all of a sudden, bam, here we are and we're mission critical. Well, James chapter 4, and we're going to camp out in in the book of James. And and, and if you can find the book of James, it's a really small book of the Bible. If your pages are stuck together, it'll take you 10 minutes to find it. I almost never found it this morning. Your Bible app, if you hit the live event button, has all of the scriptures and notes there for you if you hit the live event button. But we're going to be right in James. And and James chapter 4 gives us a little explanation as to how we got to where we are. And he says, where do you think these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Like we didn't just get here, right, overnight. He said, this doesn't just happen. Think again. They come about because you and I, we don't. See, right now you're wanting to superimpose somebody else into this conversation. Like you're wanting to apply this to somebody else. Think about us personalize it. We, we get to this place because we, everybody say we, we want our own way and we will fight for it deep inside ourselves. Now what is James saying? This is what James saying. Your conflicts, no matter what they are or no matter who they're with, all boil down to one central truth and here's the central truth. You're just not getting what you want. I mean, think about the last conflict that you had. How many of you have had a conflict in the last 30 days with somebody in your life? All right, think about it for a second, okay? Think about, stop looking at your spouse. We got to start giving the instructions when we do this. Look ahead, look ahead, look ahead, look ahead. Don't do that, right? Think about the last conflict that you had. Think about what it was about. And I guarantee you at the core of it, you just were not getting what you want. A few years ago, I got on Facebook and I asked a simple question. Why why do we argue? Like, what is the goal when we're in a conflict situation? And I expected to get all different responses. I got a lot of responses, but they all kind of fell into four main categories. And here they are. This was the four. What's the goal when you argue? To prove a point? To show them I'm right? A need to be heard and understood? And then one person got honest enough to say to win at all costs. 
And, and so kind of when we argue and we disagree and we're in that conflict situation, like we, we, we just kind of want to win. We want to one-up them. But here's the problem with that. All right, now I am speaking more specifically to husbands and wives. The Bible says that when you uh, become husband and wife, you are united as one in a Christ-honoring marriage. Nothing short of a miracle how God takes two separate paths and joins them into one. We are one as husband and wife, okay? Now, here's the problem with that. If we are one and my goal is to win, the only way that I can win is if someone else does what? Lose. And if I am one with my spouse, why on earth would I want her to lose at anything unless it's battleship? You don't ever want to play battleship with my wife. She cheats. You do cheat. She dry docks her ships. She takes them off the board and puts them on the side and says she dry docked them. That's not fair. We haven't played battleship since 2003, okay? We're just not going to. When we are one, why on earth would I want my spouse to lose anything? So the goal is not just to prove a point or to be right or to be heard at all costs or to win. Here's the goal. The goal of any conflict, the goal of any situation is to have a healthy relationship when it's over. We all know how to deal with conflict. We just don't know how to deal with it in a biblical way. We don't know how to deal with it in a way that when the conflict situation is over, our relationship is actually healthier instead of being damaged because of that situation. And I believe if you deal with conflict the right way, the biblical way, God's blueprint for our lives, I believe we'll always win. And here's the big idea for today, okay? And here's the idea. I want you to write it down. It's time that we stop fighting against one another and start fighting for one another. And I don't care if that's your spouse or if that's a coworker or a friend, somebody that you deeply care about, whatever the relationship is, it's time that we stop fighting against one another. Our world is so divided. We are so divided over so many different things. Guys, it's time to stop fighting against the people in your life and start fighting for somebody. Now let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verses 19 and 20. And this is what James, who's actually the half-brother of Jesus, says. He gives us great advice. Sorry about that. He gives us great advice. And this is what he says. Understand, brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen. Everybody say quick to listen. Slow to speak. Say that. Slow to speak. And slow to get angry. He says our human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all of this stuff and humbly accept the word that God has planted in our hearts for it has the power to save you. And I think not only does his word have the power to save your souls, I believe his word has the power to save your relationships too. And so how do we apply these? Here's the first lesson. He said you must be quick to listen. What is he saying? Stop and listen. Stop and listen. We want to talk all the time. We just want to run our mouths all the time. God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. We should listen twice as much as we speak. 
I came across this uh, bridge a few weeks ago. It's in Bailey, North Carolina on Highway 581. And, and I, I snapped the picture on the way back. I missed it on the way there. I should have done it on the way there. The first time I came by this bridge, there was a truck stuck underneath it. And it was a big box truck, like a moving truck. And, and there's so many signs that talks about height and truck route. If you're a truck, don't go through here. Go this way. And I, I come up and, and there's a traffic jam in Bailey, North Carolina. There's four cars stopped at a bridge, right? That's the traffic jam in Bailey. And, and, and I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, why did the guy, what, what an idiot, bless his heart, right? Like what, what in the world? And all I could think about was either he was oblivious to the fact that he was driving this giant truck and it wouldn't fit, or he was too busy to take the truck route. That was too long. And so I timed it because I had to go around that on the truck route, the detour that he should have taken in the first place. It took me 27 seconds. 27 seconds longer. It wasn't like it sent him back like 10, 15 minutes. If he would have stopped and taken a minute, right, 27 seconds, he could have avoided this collision that he had that probably ruined his day. I don't know if it was his truck. He might even have lost his job over this deal. I don't know. And I thought about how cool, how much do we do that? Instead of just like stopping and hitting the pause button and, and, and taking a moment to just breathe and listen to what somebody else has to say, what type of collision could we avoid if we would just take a second? We've got to communicate. And, and communication is not just talking and communication is not just listening we could be sitting here right now and I'm talking and some of you you've been in church so long you know how to do this you just shake your head every couple of minutes you know as the pastor's talking if you really want to engage the pastor you you do this you go mm, that's good like if you're really into it and you want to take it to the next level you're like oh so good pastor Right, And you do that every three, four minutes. I think you're with me and you can check out and think about what you got to do this afternoon or about the shows you missed last night. I get this. Just because I'm talking and you're nodding your head doesn't mean we're communicating. Because, see? <laughs> Come on, Juan. So good. Communication is the ability to be understood. You got to understand and to be able to understand, you have to actually see something from somebody else's perspective once in a while. But the reality is, what, what do we do? When, when somebody else is talking to us, we're not listening, we're not understanding, we're not seeing it from their perspective, especially if we're in a higher volume situation, right? They increase in volume, what do we do? We increase in volume, like we don't want to leave them out there by themselves, we got to one-up them a little bit. And now, now we're getting a little bit louder, now we're getting a little into this, you know, we got, we got endorphins flowing or whatever things happen, neurons are firing, I don't know if that's really what happens but like there's lots of stuff going on internally and and then by the time we're at this point while you're talking what am I doing I'm not sitting here going oh you have a point let me see it from your perspective let me walk a mile in your shoes we're not doing any of that what are we doing we are reloading that's what we're doing and we're not about to shoot out some like nice candy hearts, right? That's not what's coming next. We're reloading and I'm fixing to give you a piece of my mind. Take a second. 
Stop and listen. Say something from someone else's perspective. And here's what we typically will do in this situation. We start asking questions. And here's my question. What did I do wrong? Like, that's always my question. Is, is what did I do to make her so mad? Like, I'm completely like that guy in that video. I don't, I don't even know what happened. How did we, what? I don't even know what I did, right? How many, no, don't raise your hand. Like, we, like, in that moment, like, there's just, we're asking the wrong question. I think the right question is this. Why are they angry? Not what did I do to make them angry, but why are they responding this way to whatever it is that just happened? Because in any situation, whether it's on your job or in your home, in a classroom, there's a reason that people are responding the way that they are. I'll never forget, it was really a defining moment for us as it relates to conflict. Um, I, I came home one day from the office and I don't remember, I had a long day, it was a tough day, whatever. And, and I, I walk in and it didn't take very much for, for, for the kids to set me off and I'm kind of barking at them and, and, and Marianne, you know, says something and I'm kind of barking at her and, 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 and my wife has, um, she's just has a way with words. And, and she just looked at me and, and, and she said, I don't, i never forget this. She said, I don't know what happened before you got here. I don't know what happened um, today while you were at work, but whatever you are dealing with, we are not the cause of it, so don't you dare come home swinging. Now, was I coming home physically swinging and abusing? No, not at all. But what was happening is I was lashing out with my words. See, the problem is, is there are people who will offend you all day long and you can't say a thing to those people. Because if you speak a certain way to your boss or somebody, a kid in your classroom or a parent, teachers, right? If, if, you, if, you, if you lash out at those people, what happens? you'll lose your job. So what do we do? We come home and let all of our stress, anxiety, and frustration out on the people that we love the most. Why is it that we treat the people we love the most sometimes the worst? And I think it's because we take them for granted. But the reality is in that situation, my wife saw through what was happening and she recognized he's not angry at me. He's not angry at the kids. We're just dealing with the frustration of the anger that somebody else caused him. So, hey, don't you dare come home swinging. She didn't say it like that. There was no smile. (laughs) But I got the point. And so we have to start asking ourselves, okay, hold on a second. Maybe I'm getting the brunt of the frustration, but is it possible it doesn't even have anything to do with me? Maybe it has something more to do with what's going on in another area of their life. We don't know that unless we stop and listen. And here's the second thing we've got to do. James says, be slow to speak. So what's the lesson? Guard your words. Guard your words. Proverbs 21 and 23 says, Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. That's exactly what it says. That's not my words. That's scripture. Watch your tongue, keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. Let me give you a few filters, okay? Here's some things to think about. I I know that there's something in your life that you know is true and you just got to get it off your chest. But let me just tell you before we go any further, here's a couple of things. Truth without grace is mean. But grace without truth is meaningless. 
So some of us are truth people. We just want to speak the truth. You don't ever have to wonder about where you stand with me. God bless, I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah, but you're mean. And then others of us, right, we're grace people. And we don't want to upset the force. And so we just don't say anything. And neither is healthy. And so some of us truth people, what do we need to do? The opposite of what comes natural to you, you need to lean toward the grace side. And those of us who are grace people, what do we need to do? We need to lean to the truth side. Because when we put truth and grace together, it's actually some pretty good medicine. Now, what do we do with truth? Let me get three questions. And this is really helpful for you people who go crazy on social media and really should lose access to your social media account. But here we go. Here's the first thing. <laughs> I'd have thought I'd have got a lot more amens than that, right? So good, right? That's good. Here's the first thing. Is it true? Because if it's not true, you don't need to say it anyway. And, and here's the second thing. Should it be said? You know, maybe it's true, but maybe it shouldn't be said at all. I mean, some, I got great advice when I first got married. You can't die on every hill, right? Not everything can be a big deal. If you make everything a big deal, you're, you're in trouble. You have to what? Pick your battles. Should it be said at all? And here, here's the third thing. Should it be said right now? Maybe it should be said. Now's just not the time. And James goes on, he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What's the lesson? We got to control our anger. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, in your anger do not sin. He didn't say don't be angry. Why? Because anger is just a natural response to life. It's an emotion. It's just like if I said to you, don't be happy or don't be sad. Like I, you can't always control like your emotional response to a circumstance. What can you control? Your response once you experience that emotion. So nowhere in scripture does it say you shouldn't be angry about that. What does it say? It says be careful how you respond in your anger. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. See, those are connected. And what happens is the way we treat one another in our relationships, if we aren't careful, we'll give the enemy a foothold in that relationship. And that's all he needs is just an open door to cause all kinds of havoc in our lives. I love uh, Michael Jr., who is a, a comedian, and, and, and I, I love stand-up. And, and he goes into a prison, and he introduces himself to some inmates, and, and offstage tries to get to know them a little bit before he goes on stage to entertain. And uh, he's a Christian comedian, so to do ministry for them. And he meets this guy, and he's got a tattoo with a, with a, with a phrase that's on his arm. And this is what the tattoo says. A wise man knows how to defeat issues without raising hands. And he who does this will find favor in all that he does. That's powerful. And the comedian asked the guy, he said, why are you here? He said, I got arrested for assault. <laughs> so we often believe something that many times we, we don't apply to our life. So let's be, let's be careful. Be angry, I get it. It's a national response to life. But here's the deal. Let your anger point you to something that needs correction and then do whatever you have to do to fix it. Now, how do we fix it? Well, our biblical way of dealing with conflict at North Park Church is what we call R4. Everybody say R4. 
We teach this principle all the time. It's a very important principle. If we will deal with conflict in the right time, in the right place, with the right attitude, and with the right person, I'm convinced that there's no conflict that we can't get through together. That's the biblical way to deal with conflict. And it applies in the classroom, it applies in your boardroom, it applies into your workplace, in your home, in our church, in every area of your life. If you could get this one principle and live it out every single day, your relationships would be different. I believe if your relationships would be different, your life would be different. The right time. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Like, we, we want to just, like, deal with it right now. I remember when Marion and I first got married, we struggled with this one so bad. Because I wanted to deal with it right then. And I would wear her out. Hey, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Why are you mad? Why are you mad? Why are you mad? Why are you mad? Like, I would just wear her out. And then her response to conflict is she would walk away and she'd just walk out of the room. And, and she would do it, like, emphatically. And it was always, she had really long hair. There was, a ha- there, was, there was a method. There was a hair flip, so there was a hair flip. And then there was a waddle as she would walk away, right? And it was amazing to watch, but it felt horrible, you know what I mean? And I'm like, what in the world? And, and so here I am wanting to deal with it right now, and she's, like, wanting to run out the door, and I couldn't understand why we couldn't get on the same page. And so what did we have to do? We had to compromise. And I had to realize that in some situations, I just needed to be quiet. I needed to not deal with it right now. I need to do it in the right time. And in her mind, if we deal with this right now, I'm going to say something I'm going to regret. And so the only way I know to deal with this is walk away, cool down, and then come back and have a conversation about it. So what do we do? We compromise. I'll keep my mouth shut. You don't walk away. And in the right time, we'll deal with this together. And then we've got to deal with conflict in the right place. And the right place is not Walmart. The right place is not in a restaurant. It's not when you're out with your friends. How awkward is that when you're out with people and they're in an argument? And that, I, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I would never disrespect my wife that way by having, a, uh, by, by having an argument with her in front of you. I would never disrespect her in that way. It's disrespectful. Right time, right place, right spirit. And here's the other thing, right person. See, it used to be R3. It was just right time, right place, and right spirit. But here's what I began to see. Sometimes if we have an issue with someone, we don't go to that person. What do we do? We go to somebody else. And we tell them all about it. And we even get really spiritual and say, you need to pray with me about this. But the reality is we're just involving somebody else in the situation. If you have a conflict with someone else, you go to that person. Right time, right place, right spirit, right person. And I believe if we'll do that, there is nothing that we can't deal with together. Together. I, I, I have a, a great passage of scripture that I came across in Luke chapter 6. It's kind of like a sermon all of itself. And, and, and this, is, this is Jesus teaching. And Jesus teaches us in Luke chapter 6. That's your assignment, your homework. Go back to Luke chapter 6. And basically Luke chapter 6, he tells us how to deal with conflict in any area of our life. I'm going to give you the cliff notes. He says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Well, if we're going to love our enemies, obviously we need to love the people we love, right? So we're going to love everybody. What he's saying is love even your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to people without expecting to be repaid. Be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. 
Don't judge others and you won't be judged. Don't condemn others or it's going to come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. And then this is what he says. This is what he says. Listen to this. The amount that you give to others will determine the amount that you get back. There's one translation that uses this term. It actually says that the measure by which you give to others is the measure by which that it will return to you. And and I started thinking, like when we are in this relationship with Jesus, what we desperately need is grace and we need love and mercy. Now what we deserve is judgment and death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So that's what we deserve. But Jesus left his place in glory and came to this earth and died on a cross for your sins and mine. Why? Because he loves you and wants a personal relationship with you. But here we are in this relationship with God, never getting it right all the time, always needing more love, grace, and mercy because we always fall short. Everyone falls short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. But what do we hope to receive from God? His love, His grace, and His mercy. And the measure by which Jesus gives that to you, oh my goodness, he takes a shovel and he's just like heaping love and heaping grace and heaping mercy down upon you. The measure by which you receive from God is so much greater than you will ever deserve. But that's how good God is. And that's how faithful he is. That he would just take a shovel and just keep scooping. You mess up, let me give you some more love. You fall short, let me give you some more grace. You need judgment, let me give you some mercy. Why? Because Jesus says, I love you and I want a personal relationship with you. And then all of a sudden, somebody in your life messes up. And then all of a sudden, they need grace, and they need love, and they need mercy from you? Well, let me, let me see if I can find a little grace over here. I'm going to sprinkle a little mercy your way, a little love. Any little bit you get, you should be thankful. You should be glad I'm here. You need some grace, let me give you a little bit more. Why is it that when we come to God, we expect him to pour out blessings with a shovel, yet when somebody else needs it from us, we've just given them a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. What am I saying? I'm saying if you want to receive grace and love and mercy from God and others, you better put the spoon down and you better start shoveling it out in people's lives. Before Marion and I, I guess before we even got married, I'll never forget Dr. David Cooper coming to Tanglewood Church and, and doing a, a conference for, for us. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, here's what we need to do. We need to love others more for the things they do right than despise them for the things that they do wrong. I want to let that 
sink in for a second. Because what do we do? We spend so much of our time focusing on the hurt and the pain and the rejection and the abandonment. And like, like we just spend time all focusing on all these negative things. But the reality is there is so much more we love about people than the things that they do wrong in our life. Those people in our world that frustrate you so bad, the reality is you have a lot more in common with them than you do differences. But the differences trip us up. And while we're spooning out love, grace, and mercy, we're expecting God to just shovel it out in our lives. The measure by which you give is the measure by which you receive. So let's stop fighting against one another. Start fighting for each other. Let's stay in this morning.